It's time for Animaniacs. Gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. The superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the hall of justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, pup. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Everyone, welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. My name is Seth Everett. Thank you for subscribing. And if you're listening in the U.S., and I, I just assume our listeners are in the U.S., it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> and this is the weirdest Thanksgiving going because I'll give you two pieces of advice. Number one. Don't go anywhere. Don't see anybody, but have a great Thanksgiving. It really <laughs> is like a total oxymoron. So who, yeah. who the hell knows? Yep. Uh, Hulu has announced last week, just last Friday, the reboot of a show that I watched in college. And I'm not going to lie to you. I would get really hammered and watch the <laughs> show on VHS tape in 1994 as a junior at Syracuse University. Um Animaniacs is back. That's it's crazy to say that Animaniacs is back, and I'm such a fan. Uh, we we watch the, the the episodes now with my kids, so I get to experience it with them. And now we welcome one of the stars. And when I told my kids we were having Wacko Warner on the show, they were they, they plotted. It was it was wild. Miss <laughs> Harnell is with us here, Mr. Harnell. Thank you so much. We always love having voice actors on, but this is crazy. Wacko Warner's here. How are you, man? All I got to say is hello, Seth, and tell your kids I love them too. And it's an honor to be here with you, man. Congratulations on your great podcast. And thanks for having me on, bro. I appreciate oh, it. it. We're going to have so much fun talking about it. I just wanted to start this conversation with what were you doing when you get a text, a phone call, an email, or something? And who was it from when you found out that a character that you had done 20 years prior yeah. was being brought back what was that phone call like and what was your reaction well you know basically to set the scene for you you know animaniacs came out in the 90s and, and was a big show as, as a lot of people know it was, it was, it was great ratings lots of awards steven spielberg and peabody's and emmys and all this stuff and that was really my first show that i was ever a regular on i'd done a lot of guest spots on cartoons but that was my first regular show now when you have that much good fortune sometimes that's as far as it goes i mean if you have one of those in your life you are way ahead of the pack but thankfully and, and hallelujah, you know, all of us on that show went on to do so much other work, you know, and and a really, really beautiful byproduct of my job is that every five years I get to be a whole new generation's childhood. And I hear it all the time when I'm at concert. <laughs> you were my childhood. And five years later That's with Transformers, awesome. you were my childhood. And five years after that with Doc McStuffins, you were my childhood. So it's this beautiful, you That's know, right, we, Doc McStuffins. we were all working on tons of stuff. Right. And I get this, uh, this, I think, a uh, email from my agent saying, hey, Sam Register, who is one of the kings of Warner Brothers Animation, yep. and justifiably so, would like to take you and Rob and Tress McNeil, and I think Maurice LaMarche as well, out to dinner. And I thought, eh, they 
don't usually do that. I wonder what this is all about. So uh -huh. we dressed up nice. We had a private room at a beautiful restaurant. Went down there, and Sam, you know, we're joking around. How you guys been? All of a sudden, he goes, so, uh, hey, guys, we're thinking about maybe bringing Animaniacs back. And we all kind of went, <laughs> oh, that'd be nice. But we were very kind of restrained about it. And I think he was a little like, you know, are you excited about it? And we said, well, sure, you know, but listen, I, I know there's a lot of stuff. We all know there's a lot of stuff that has to happen. This is Hollywood. And yeah, not yeah. that Sam's that kind of guy, but a lot of things get said and, you know, oh, we're going to have lunch. We're going to make this movie. We're going to make this show. And nothing ever happens. So when we all said goodnight, we were standing on the steps outside Morton's Steakhouse, right in view of the water tower, I might add. And the three of us stood there and said, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perfect. And we go, well, you know, it'd be really cool if this happened, right? Yeah, it'd be great. What do you know tomorrow? Oh, I'm doing Sophia the First. Okay, I'm doing DuckTales. Okay, I'll see right. you tomorrow. And we went our separate ways. Two years later. We started working on the show two years after yeah, that. Dinner. Here. So, yeah. So sure enough, it took two. Then two years after two years just to get to voice recording. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, man. But, and then two years after that, that's when we started. That's when the shows aired. So there's a big lag time. You know what I mean? In between yeah. when things are talked about, then when to try to make them happen. Because you got to remember, too, with that Maniacs, that it was a co-own. It was owned by both Amblin and Warner Brothers. It's complicated enough when a show has one home. When it has right. two, it's doubly complicated. But, you know, we were just, man, and I still I still am. I, I just feel so blessed that I got to work on it the first time. So to get to do it again and have you watch it with your kids this time oh, is, is a huge, huge gift, man. It was, when they announced it, when they announced it and it was on Hulu. Now, and one of the interesting things is, you know, from a business standpoint, HBO Max now exists when Animaniacs was greenlit. It was with Hulu. HBO Max wasn't even conceptualized. So there's Weird. no way there's no way that Warner Brothers logo would be on Hulu if Warner Brothers had anything. They, there's no way they want it on, on Hulu. And I, I love Hulu and we, we do the Hulu live. So that's great. But when they announced the reboot two years ago, the yeah. old episodes went on Hulu. Right, right on. Exactly. That was the neat thing, because as lazy as we are, you could go to YouTube and find it. But, you know, we're, we're dumb Americans. We just have to look. <laughs> we have to, you know, we have to sh literally see it in your face. And all of a sudden, the Animaniacs were on my Hulu and we could watch it. And yeah. I remember my 12 year old was was well nine then and when it was when it happened all she wanted was her own login you know how you yeah. can do the different profiles on of course, this of course. i get my login and the only show on her login is animaniacs because it's something uh, that she knew about well tell, we tell her she has some... excellent taste and when she has a show i'll make that my only thing on my login <laughs> well the one day the one day that i know it clicked and I can't do your voice and I'm going to do a brutal impression. Please the, do. I love that. The one day, the one day when you, uh, you, you, you know, you guys were doing some episode and she came in and she said, and she had like a pouty face and I go, what's the matter? And she went, I'm hungry. <laughs> that was actually pretty good, man. I know exactly <laughs> what you were doing there. And it was like, and I was like, oh my God, that was so, so funny. And you didn't have, you did. You, you had so many lines. I mean, there's so many lines that are so hysterical. And I want to get to the actual reboot. Uh, the greatest line of all time, and I'm biased. And anyone listening to this podcast knows I'm, I'm biased. Curious, you, got when you guys are playing detectives, and yes. they're telling Dot to search uh, to to look for fingerprints. Look for okay, fingerprints. And he goes. She goes. What? She goes. Fingerprints. And she looks and there's Prince and he she goes, uh, no, 
<laughs> and then Yakko went, good night, everybody. I know it's <laughs> and I was just like, the adult humor was so prevalent then. And you guys saw it because, you know, and I've talked to Rob Paulson about this, just the idea that you can write something that is so aesthetically pleasing and yet so satisfying for adults. Yeah. That's a really hard skill to master. Well, you know what it is, man? It's walking a fine line, Seth, because, you know, I mean, early, early on when I started doing animation, I met Frizz Freeling, who's like one of the founding fathers oh, of animation. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he said, you know, the trick to making great cartoons is to make them for adults because kids grow up and when they grow up, they'll outgrow it. Right. right. But if you make it for adults, that's still, you know, vibrant and colorful and bouncy and high energy. Kids will dig that. But then when they're, you know, 20 and when they're 40 and when they're 60, they'll watch it and still get something out of it. So with Animaniacs, there's this fine line that they walk, man, where it's like, OK, we got to keep this kid friendly. But at the same time, we want to rope in adults because, you know, I wrote I read something funny online where it said, you know, uh, quoted demographic eight to 13, actual demographic 30 to 75, you know, and, that, <laughs> and that's amazing, man, because it that's does exactly work on right. both levels. And You know, how many cartoons do you know who do musical variety show episodes for kids about gun control? And we just did one, you know, that's it's wild. It's crazy. It's yeah. wild. Um, yeah. There's a, I have one nitpicky question and it's oh. not a criticism by any stretch, but that's it's, like, it it's going to sound like one. When you guys did the original theme, it was Animaniacs. Yeah. Now it's Animaniacs. Wow. You changed it, right? Like you guys, was that a conscious thing? It was Animaniacs, and now it's Animaniacs. And in the theme, you can tell the difference in 10 seconds. And God. it was the thing, I noticed it in the first episode, and I went, wait, that's different. Have they been saying it wrong for 22 years? Oh my God! All I can say is your powers of observation are much better than mine because I've never oh, noticed. Really? You didn't before. notice that? Oh. No, man. But now that you mention it, I mean, I'm thinking it's time for Animaniacs was the first one, and now this one it is. It's time for Animaniacs. Right. No, I don't know why we did that. Maybe it's because we've all had diction lessons. Well, that's the thing. I was like, oh, they're too cool for this. They're not going to mispronounce it the second time. Like, they're, they're too smart for this now. Oh, my God. We got too smart for our own good, bro. How, how... More of the Hall of Justice, but first a message from DC Comics and Warner Brothers Home Entertainment, Stargirl, the complete first season. Stargirl was on the DC Universe, then moved to the CW, and it is a great show. And I'm not just saying that. It's now available on digital, Blu-ray, DVD. It's available September 29th, so next week, if you're listening to this, on the day that it was released. It's about Jeff Johns and his career in comic books. He created Stargirl, lovingly inspired by his late sister, who was killed in a plane explosion. Courtney Whitmore, as she inspires an unlikely group of young heroes. It's cute. It has legacy in D.C. There's the Justice Society of America, and then there's these teenagers, and the villains have arcs to them. And we had Nelson Lee on the podcast, and he talks about the series. And even though you don't ever see his face, <laughs> we didn't know that at the time, uh, he's great, and the storylines are great. We're not going to spoil the end, but it was a great first season, and it got renewed for a season two. 
Breck Bessinger is great. She's fantastic. We told you about Nelson Lee. Amy Smart's in it. Luke Wilson, uh, old school himself. Luke Wilson is in it. Yeah, he's great, too. Um, the whole show is just a lot of fun. And again, it was originally DC Universe. It's it was then on the CW. That's where I saw it. And now it's out on Blu-ray, digital, and DVD. And it's great. And it can play with Voodoo and iTunes and all the available retailers that you can find. Uh, if you're quarantined and you haven't seen this yet, it's a great show. It's really enjoyable. Um, I would say it's as good as anything else with the CW. And uh, if you watch The Crisis on Infinite Earths, it's in it. It's, it's part of it. So uh, it's all connected. Stargirl, the complete first season, is currently available to own on digital, Blu-ray, and DVD. Now back to the show. Whose idea was uh, the Beatles reference? Like, you're a rock and roll guy, and I want to ask you about that. Yeah. Um, what was, was it the Beatles? What, what, was, what was Waco's voice uh, based on, and was that coached to you, or did they say, here, come up with something, and they liked what you were doing? It's a great question, and, and, and a funny kind of a story, too. I mean, first of all, you know, the whole Animaniacs experience has been so serendipitous, because I, you know, I love the Marx Brothers growing up, and the Warner Brothers are loosely based on the Marx Brothers. My favorite was Harpo. Wacko is loosely based on Harpo. Harpo. And it came time to audition that my agents presented me. They said, this is a new show. It's going to be big. It's Steven Spielberg. Pick three parts. You can read for any three parts. So I looked at him. And I was immediately drawn to Wacko because I liked the name and he didn't have pants on. And I thought, okay, between those two things, I can relate. So I said, all right, this is a good match for me. And it didn't say anything about Beatles or any of that stuff. It said it high energy, anything can happen, totally off the wall, unbridled enthusiasm. So honestly, Seth, I don't remember my first audition, but it was probably something like, hey, I'm Wacko, what are we going to do? You know, like some kind of crazy cartoon thing. Anyway, must have been good enough. There must have been something in there that they liked because they called me in for a callback. Now, Andrea Romano, who is the very highly decorated an icon, director, an icon in her own right. Yeah, when it comes to animation, she's a superstar. I mean, it's like I don't think I don't think the TV Academy has more Emmys than Andrea Romano. Anyway, <laughs> she gets me in there for a more extensive callback, and she goes, she goes, well. She said, I know you do a lot of impressions because I do lots of impressions, singing and speaking. And she said, why don't we try some impressions? And I said, okay, who do you want to do? And the first one she suggested was Elvis Presley. And so I said, okay. So I'm going to go, hello, nurse. And hey, man, I got a potty emergency and all this kind of stuff. And the, uh, Dr. Strasser said, I don't know. I don't feel so well, man. You know, and it's, it was so weird thinking about, you know, as, as in retrospect, you know, Elvis Presley you saying- You 100 episodes like that, right? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, and plus, Elvis died of a potty emergency. So we, we don't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? So that's no good. So she said, well, what about the Beatles? And I said, and immediately I'm like Scooby-Doo because I love the Beatles. I go, well, Riddles, you know, because I love that. And she said, I said, which one do you want? And she said, well, you know, they all basically sound the same. And I go, no, 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 of course not. They're all very different, you know. And I started doing the Beatles voices for her. And I started with John. And when you hear John's voice, to me, it almost sounds like there was an arrow in his nose and it's coming up and there's a point to it, you know. Then this Paul and Paul's voice is more like a little higher pitched, a little breathier, you know, back of the throat, very chipper, very heavy, great, okay. You know, then there's George and George always sounded to me like he had a bit of a cold and was congested and taking his time talking. And then Ringo's down there at the bottom saying, hello, submarine, peace and love, peace and love. So you got all four of these voices. She said, well, why don't you try like John? And I went, okay. So I started reading the copy like John. I'm like, hello, nurse, and doing all this sort of thing. Then they brought in a picture. She said, let me show you a picture of what he looks like. And I saw that he was just a little tiny guy. 
And I said, well, look, if he's a little guy, he can't have a man's voice. So I basically took John Lennon and I gave him some helium and I brought his voice up here. And next thing you know, we had Wacko. And that's how it all got started. And the funny thing about all this, folks, all you creatives out there who are developing your own ideas and doing art and doing music and stuff like that, I want you to know, we did this weird audition as, you know, a pseudo Beatle. Steven Spielberg, they brought him the top five choices for each role, of which I was very fortunate to be one of the five. And he's listening to these guys doing their crazy, wacko, wacky voices. And I think I was like number three or four. And I came on and I went, hello, Ness, I don't know what we're going to do. Right. And he went, huh, that's really funny. Get that guy. And that was it. That was it. That was it. Because, because I was so far out of the box and I did something so, so unexpected and different, it got the job and, and it led to the wacko that we all know and love, man. And I get to pay tribute every time I do it to the greatest band in the history of the world. So it's not a bad thing. We'll be back with more of the Hall of Justice. But first, I have to tell you about another podcast I do. And yeah, we talk about it from time to time. But anybody who knows my career knows it's a sports broadcasting career. Yes, I love the Hall of Justice so much. I also started a podcast that is called Sports with Friends. It's a play on words because my mother always played words with friends. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat to see if I have as many friends in the industry that could come on a show and be open and honest and have a friendly chat? So I started the podcast and said every guest is a friend. But then I found out that some of my friends are in PR and they book guests for the show. And they've asked me to put people I'm just meeting. So now every guest is a friend or a friend of a friend. We play Jewish geography. Some of the past guests on this show can be really close friends like Dave Softy Mahler or Andrew Siciliano. And some of them are big icons that are also friends. Ken Griffey Jr. thinks he made my career. Martin Brodeur, the best goalie in the history of the NHL. And we also tackle big topics. We'll find out about cord cutting for a sports fan or the life and death of Kobe Bryant. And then there was Nancy Lieberman's appearance. What a story she had to tell. And then there's Eli Manning, who's been on the podcast five times and counting. All I know is if you listen to Sports with Friends, you'll hear some great guests, you'll hear so many stories, and you'll feel like you know not only them, but me. Check out Sports with Friends wherever you can get your podcasts. And if you're listening to this one, I guarantee you, you'll find Sports with Friends right there. So tell me about your 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 musical like uh, fan <laughs> before we get to your ba band. You mentioned the Beatles and uh, the, the Beatles. First of all, the saga of the Beatles is just one of the greatest stories it about is. how they were discovered. And I went to the Cavern in Liverpool. Oh, me too, and man. I went to I went to London and I was visiting a girlfriend and I literally just was I had a day to just do anything. And yeah. I was like, let's go to Liverpool. Like, how do you not? I said, no offense, but seeing 300 year old statues that didn't do anything. I want to yeah. see Strawberry Field and Penny Lane and all the Me all too, the places and, and that place. And they're 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 such an iconic thing. But what was your OK, so so you're a Beatles fan. But what else? What's your what's your rock genre? What's your what's your who did you grow up being a fan of? 
I love these stories. And, you know, we, we could have gone to Liverpool together, man, because I've been there twice. And I literally, I feel like I'm just walking. I'm walking in the footsteps of giants. You know what I mean? When I go there and I know that place, I know way too much about that band and a lot of other bands. But oh, then I have to ask you about the film yesterday, but continue. Oh, yeah. I loved yesterday, especially the surprise scene with the guy playing Leonard, who was actually Robert Carlyle, Carlyle is a well-known actor. But but the worst ending in the world. Continue. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the ending. Yeah, the ending was a little bit off-putting. I agree with you. But I mean, the, the theory behind it was great. And I, I demanded we do a podcast on it. We weren't going to do a podcast on it. We had to do it because that ending is atrocious. He didn't yeah. steal them and he didn't have to admit that. If he yeah. wants to donate the, the the earnings because he feels some kind of uh, moral authority, do it. Yeah. But don't lie. Or don't, don't admit the whole. Th oh, my God. It's awful, awful <laughs> but, you know, you, but you know what? They're the most the beautiful moment in that movie that I really did love is remember how there were those two weird people who knew it, who had yes, known the Beatles. Yes, knew yes. It, and they go uh, and she goes, she goes, well, you know, don't feel bad about it because even a little bit of that music in the world is what the world needs. Right, and I right. thought that, you know, it was like, yeah, it does, man. You know, but well, anyway. Well, to, but, to, but just to yeah. play on that, the, it, after we did the podcast and the review of it, what I learned was you could divide the reaction in two by age. Ah. If you were an, uh, I would say 55 plus, you said, well, it, it, the, the ending's perfect because he gave the credit to the Beatles. But younger, the superhero people that grew up with, you know, Superman and Batman and time travel and, and, and comic books, they were like, no freaking way. If he forgot, if the world forgot the Beatles, there's no way. And you literally could split it right down the age. And every older person I talked to always said, oh, it was just so great to hear the songs. And we need to hear those songs more. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, but the superhero fan in me. Driving me nuts. Anyway, no, I, I hear your you. bands. Your bands growing up. I'm sorry. Well, it's it still makes me happy when I see ten year olds and twelve year olds and thirteen year olds wearing Beatle t shirts, and I see it all yeah. the time. But my apprenticeship was, you know, I, I grew up thinking I was going to be uh, an actor. I did some Broadway stuff when I was a kid and was always singing and stuff like that, but never really rock singing. And then. When I was about 15, I heard this band called Journey and this singer, Steve uh, Perry. And I thought, I thought, I want to sing like that. That's that's the guy I want to sing like. So I used to go home every day after school and sing along with Steve Perry records. And and I, I really became enamored of that. And I started getting myself into bands. And I always had this sort of secret weapon that I could use, which was being able to morph my voice to sound like other singers. And when you're doing original music, that's kind of, you know, it can be a blessing and a curse, but because you, you don't want people to go, wow, you sound just like Steve Perry or right, Robert. You want your Perry. own identity. Right. Right. But what happened was, and this is just, this is what I mean about my life being so weird and serendipitous. A few years ago, I, I was hanging out with my, uh, my, one of my best pals in the world who's a great guitar player. And I said, you know, it'd be a funny idea for a band. And he said, what's that? I said, if there was an 80s hair metal band like Def Leppard or Poison or Guns N' Roses, one of those iconic, anthemic, you know, flip in the hair, you know, video like, band. Pour some sugar on me. Pour that, some that. sugar on me and all that stuff. And at the end of the 80s, they got shipwrecked on a deserted island. And for 20 years, they were on this deserted island. And the only music they had to listen to were pop hits from the 80s, like stuff they would never have listened to. But over the course of 20 years, they became brainwashed. This is all just this random theory that I'm yeah, spouting yeah. out. They became brainwashed and began believing that pop was as cool as metal. In other words, Madonna is metal and Paula Abdul and Rick Springfield and Journey is just as metal as ACDC and Metallica. So he said, well, how would that work? And I said, I don't know, man. You could like you could play Enter Sandman by Metallica and I could sing Don't Stop Believing by Journey and we could call it Don't Stop the Sandman. 
And he said, so we start putting it together. He starts messing with the chords and he goes, that would actually work. So <laughs> it, it's, it's a goof, right? We're like, we're doing this as a goof, but we did it at a really high level. We made a video, the video comes out, the video gets, goes viral. We get millions of hits. Okay, so we say, okay, we're going to do a whole record of this. We put a record. I'm imitating Axl Rose. I'm imitating Death I remember this, but I didn't realize that's the guy from the Animaniacs. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Exactly. It's it's me. So people don't put that together. But what was crazy. coming together, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's called Rock Sugar, right? Now check this out. So we eventually get sued. And the reason we got sued, we had videos that had millions and millions of hits online. They got pulled because a singer whose name I can't give you heard the stuff and thought it was his voice. He my impression was very close to him. And he's like, he's like, oh, no, no, they're using my voice without permission. I'm going to sue them. So he takes us to court. We got to go to court and prove that it's not him, but it, that is me. So we proved that, but we still can't sell the music online, like on Amazon and Spotify and iTunes. Right, right. So, so it's this crazy situation. Well, That's flash crazy. forward, we, we, we get to open shows. We're playing shows with Linkin Park and Aerosmith and ACDC and Def oh, Leppard. Wow. And we're looking at each other going, there's 60,000 people out there. And we started this as a goof. It was seriously right, just right, a good. Right, right. Well, yeah, the cool great. thing is that we are putting the finishing touches now on the second album. And the first album, as good as it was and all the impact that it made, this one eats it for breakfast because we're now oh, mashing. Oh, you're going to love it. We're mashing 80s metal with Adele and Katy Perry. So you get now you get your Adele and your Motley Crue in the same in the same you know box. So it's really, really weird. And if your listeners are inclined, first of all, they can hear all the old stuff if they go to YouTube and put in Rock Sugar. There's hundreds of clips. But right. if they want to get the first song on the brand new record for free, go to saverocksugar.com. Click on the link. It'll take you to all kinds of fun places. You can have the first song for free. And And with your permission, can we play a clip? I would love for you to play a clip, man. Play, play, don't stop the sand, man. Okay, but make sure you play it from like a minute and 15 seconds to like a minute, to like two minutes or a minute 45, because that's when it shifts from you're going to think it's Metallica's record, but then it becomes Journey's record and it does it without missing a beat. So I, I hope you guys dig it and I hope you dig it. Crazy, right? That's that's so much fun. And well, what I like about it, Seth, is that it's, and it's, I had heard about the video. I, I remember hearing something or seeing something on Twitter. I never connected the dots, and <laughs> that's that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a Warner Brother pun for you. We never connected the dots or the wackos. <laughs> 
I know, man. It's it's just a weird sequence of events. But bro, I am so fortunate because I don't have to get a real job, which I wouldn't even know how to do anyway. I've always made my living with my voice, and thank God I'm still doing it. You know. The amazing thing about voice actors, and it's something you referenced earlier, uh, was about you know you, there were six tapes that Steven Spielberg had to listen to, and in my career. I have, you know, I don't have that discernible voice. Uh, I don't have yeah, the James helpful. Earl Jones. I don't have the, 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 uh, the, the, you know, this is CNN. I don't, yeah. I don't have that. And so, you know, my joke growing up was I never wanted to do play by play and I can never pick a girl up in a club, but I could do great in a library. I was fantastic <laughs> in a library. Well, that's fantastic. Not everybody can say that, bro. But, but, but my point being is anytime I've ever gotten a gig, it's because of a meeting. It's a face-to-face -face meeting. But as a voice person, you are doing auditions, and especially now in COVID-19, yeah. you're probably doing auditions and sending tapes to people that you'll never come across, and yeah. they just have to pick a tape. And I don't know how. And an agent once told me a long time ago, if you and I both like Corvettes, but I like a red Corvette and you like a, a blue Corvette, it doesn't make the blue Corvette less than. Right. It's just right. subjective. That's and absolutely that must be really, really hard. No, it, it is and it isn't, man. I mean, I, I get it. I never stress that stuff. You know what I mean? It's like I do auditions and forget them immediately. I just throw my hat in the ring, do the best that I can. But I know full well that they've they've got an image already in their mind, even if it's just an audio image of what they're looking for. And you can't always shoot in that basket, man, you know. But I've, I, unfortunately, I've, I've hit the basket enough times to make some people happy. And that's what it's all about. It's, it's amazing. And it's a testament to, to you guys. All right. Thanks, um, the idea that Animaniacs tries to stay current. How much do you think? I've seen four of them, and mm -hmm. I would have binge watched the whole thing. But again, I have kids; <laughs> they, <laughs> they would be so mad at me if I if I waited. Um, uh, the The idea that um, you guys are trying to do you do a couple of Trump jokes, you do a bunch of uh, political things, you do you know the thing where Wacko eats a tablet. Yeah, because uh, you know because 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 that's all the world that exists yeah, in 2020. But it was two years, and how creative must they have been from the writing standpoint to not date themselves so it doesn't look like something that's come out two years too late? It's a total challenge. It's 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 a total total challenge. And did they have uh, that in the old show? They they somehow managed to do it for the most part. Yeah, this you don't know what's going to happen in the zeitgeist. They had no clue that COVID was going to happen. If we do a third season, I can guarantee you there will be an episode with the Warner's wearing face mask. You know that's going to happen. I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want to wear a mask. <laughs> had such a good time talking to you, man. Uh, how can people find you online? Oh, man, if you want to find me online, you just go to Twitter and Facebook using my name. It's Instagram, Jess Harnell underscore Rock Sugar Band Instagram, I think is what it is. It's Rock Sugar Band is the Instagram for the band. And like I said, you can't buy the music on Amazon or stuff, but you can go to YouTube and check it out there. And I hope you will because it's fun. Well, Jess, it's been an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, it, it, congratulations on Animaniacs. And folks, if there was anything that you heard in today's podcast that you have an issue with, do me a favor, reach out to Jess directly and leave me the hell out of it. There you go, because it's, it's not his fault. And Seth, listen, when we say goodbye, give me your info so we can stay in touch. Absolutely. That's Jess Harnell. My name is Seth Everett. Thanks for listening. Have a safe and happy Thanksgiving. This is the Hall of Justice. Thanks for having me in the Hall of Justice, Seth.